0: hi and welcome to Coco disaster I'm chorp sway and I'm Zane zero and welcome to the show Zane uh, you are here to talk about the the seasonal stuff for this show. yep now that Jordan's on his long absence we have uh, someone else my like one other friend who take who uh, pays attention to seasonal anime <laughs> Oh God bless. But yeah, so, you know, the, the the season's coming to a close about now, and it's about time to look forward to the summer shows that are going to be happening. And it's time to talk about which ones we're excited for. Heck yeah. Which ones we're not. And which ones we're really not excited for. <laughs> uh, we missed a season of these, but boy howdy, I'm sure we would have had words to say about Arrow Manga Sensei. But- Oh boy. It's not time for that, because before we get into that, as always- it's time for the news, what we've been missing since the beginning of the season. So I've collected just some stuff from the the industry that I thought, you know, would be worth going a little bit in discussion of, because first off, the most important one, this, this story has been breaking all over the internet, and I still love it looking through these old news articles, is the, uh, the, 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 the love between a penguin and the Kimono Friends penguin,
1: Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's, that was so... I, I forgot about it because it's it's been a while since that anybody's actually mentioned it, but I, I love that.
0: Yeah, it's been like a month and a half. Yeah, it's... to support zoos. And actually, it turns out that Kimono Friends has been, like, revitalizing zoos in the same way that, like, uh, Token Ranbu helped revitalize, like, museums and stuff. <laughs>
1: I didn't know about that second part.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so Token Ranbu has gotten people really interested in swords, and people have been doing, like, uh, recreations and, like, rebuilds of old swords. And now Kimono Friends is doing that, but for zoos. Like, thousands more people at a time are going to these zoos to see the animals based off their favorite anime girls. That's incredible? <laughs> yeah, and so also, uh, it, one of the old penguins at one of these zoos found love with one of the cardboard cutouts of the, a penguin from the show, which is great. And then um, this penguin, Grape Coon, uh, eventually got to meet the voice actress for the penguin character from Kimono Friends, and there's a really charming picture of them hanging out, and it's just... Uh, I'm so glad there's a happy ending for this poor old penguin who wants to fall in love again.
1: Bless this old otaku penguin.
0: <laughs> Look, someone's finally sticking up for the rest of us in this crazy world. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great. And I, you know, unfortunately, the, uh, the, the collaboration is ending later this month. And hopefully Grape will be able to, to accept the fact that his anime girlfriend is going to have to leave. Oh, no. <laughs> now on some more serious news. So Amazon uh, released Anime Strike uh, the last season, and it's like their paid service on Amazon Prime for their own anime stuff. Now that they're really getting into the simulcasting business.
1: I'm, I'm still irritated by that whole pay through two paywalls thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really frustrating that it not only requires you to pay Amazon Prime, but also that or the Amazon Prime video only service that they offered and then still Anime Strike. It's a little frustrating, but they're they're trying to like sweeten the deal a bit on it. First off, they've done a partnership with um, Comixology, so that every month, at least of this year, you get a free digital manga volume through Comixology. And then um, they just started announcing that on mobile, they're going to be offering like Offline downloads of anime episodes. So now, uh, as a benefit, it's like if you don't have the internet connection, you can still watch uh, the the stuff that they have on Amazon. And Amazon's got like a really good quality video player. So being able to get that video quality even without internet is really nice. Nice. And I know I think Crunchyroll after this also announced that they're working on off-site downloads. So this is a good. Thing in general, even if this is like Amazon kind of forcing Crunchyroll's hands into finding something to keep them more relevant, I think it's good that they have this this thing here and that they're going to allow for episode downloads.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty cool, and that's something that I think a lot of people would have wanted, so they don't have to worry about losing connection or whatever when they're watching their animes.
0: And definitely on like mobile, where it's going to be a little shakier on like people who take subways and stuff and lose internet connection a lot more, it's going to be a lot better for them to have this option. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Uh, Then we've gotten a little more announcement of Production IG's Legends of the Galactic Heroes adaptation that they're doing. Oh. Yeah, so this got announced, I think, last year through just like a teaser image, but apparently in September they're going to be showing off some of the new voice cast of characters that I think the voice actors probably died. It's an old show. And, like, staff, and they've got a promo video coming out September 20th. And that's, that seems super cool, because Legend of the Galactic Heroes is, like, super well-regarded as both a novel series and the anime adaptation that came out from 1988 to 2000 or whatever, because it's like 108 OVAs.
1: Yeah, I've heard it's a very popular show, and a lot of people really, like, recommend it.
0: Yeah, and it would be interesting to see it in something that's, like, maybe a little more accessible if, like, Production IG is doing, like, a TV series or something for it. Because, um, especially, Production IG is seems to be one of the few studios that always seems ahead of their production schedule. Like, they have the freedom to, to be a couple episodes ahead instead of always scrambling to get things ready for air date. That's nice. So, yeah, so what, whatever they're doing with it, I'd be interested to see it because, like... Glad to back to heroes sounds great, but also it's 108 episodes long. So it's, you know, it, there might be a more palatable way to get into it in this day and age if they, if they do this. Then we have a, a, a bit of film news, which is, um, the, the Resident Evil studio is going to be producing a Hollywood Monster Hunter film. Oh, right. I remember hearing about that. Either late this year or early next year. <laughs> And uh, so they're already planning to reboot the Resident Evil movie series, but they're also planning a Monster Hunter movie for Hollywood. Which, I I don't know how that's going to turn out. (laughs) I have to ask why they're rebooting Resident Evil and doing this at the same time? Well, look, they gotta keep milking that Resident Evil cash cow, because everyone loves those movies. (laughs) Someone does. Everyone's always talking about how great those- Look, people go to see them. They're making a profit, so. (laughs) And the plot of this is that uh, an ordinary dude gets transported to the Monster Hunter world and then comes back to the real world where there is an epic battle in and around the uh, Los Angeles airport.
1: (laughs) This sounds like a white
0: novel. (laughs) And so the image that they've given is like, a Monster Hunter dragon, like, grabbing a plane out of the air and just and making it explode. And this just seems like what no one wants out of a Monster Hunter movie. <laughs> it- <laughs> I have to agree. Oh, uh, Like, I get, like, some some of these Hollywood movies, like, I get, like, they're trying to make it for this different audience, they're trying to do all this and that. But, like, I don't think anyone wants, like, this weird isekai like travel to another world and travel back light novel monster hunter thing so (laughs) i it's just weird and also that it's being done by the resident evil team which uh i mean they're making money but i don't think a lot of people really like respect those resident evil movies i don't think so either yeah and then there is a japanese hong kong team up that are producing an English-language live-action St. Seiya movie? Okay. Which, I guess that makes more sense. I mean, it's it's not quite Hollywood, but it's being made for the English audience, so it's kind of Hollywood. And, like, I guess St. Seiya makes sense, because, like, there's a plot to it, you know, you could follow it. It just also seems like a weird thing where, like, St. Seiya doesn't seem like it's been super relevant in general. Like, it's getting new series, but... It's really built up by its, like, South American, um, Filipino fan base who are very added, uh, or, like, very, um, very strong- they feel strongly about the series.
1: Maybe that's the target audience for this movie?
0: Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised, but it just seems, like, again, like, you know, some of these picks are strange. Like, they've, they've announced that they're doing that Beyblade live-action movie, which they could probably do, because- you make it, like, a, a big, flashy, stupid kids movie, you could probably make it work. Will it have Moses parting the ocean with a Beyblade? God, I hope so. Man, <laughs> just put all of that- just put all of the worst parts of the Beyblade, like, world canon in, and just really, like, go whole hog on it.
1: That would- that would be incredible.
0: Yeah, bring in wheels. you know what? Just- <laughs> just go the whole hog, just bring in everything Beyblade you can. And, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know. Um, we just haven't had a good American adaptation of an anime, I mean, besides, like, Live, Die, Repeat, or... Um, and it's getting a sequel somehow. Yeah, Live, Die, Repeat's getting a sequel, which is weird. But, you know, that, I think that concept and the way that they reworked it worked for an American audience in the way that, like, these very distinctly Japanese ideas maybe don't in, like, a general American audience. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Sensei turns out, but I don't, I don't expect a lot from it. Then in uh, other movie news, Hayao Miyazaki's out of retirement again. He's doing his final movie again. <laughs> please, please, retire. <laughs> he, he can just retire. But it seems like Studio Ghibli is just starting to, like, hit a stride where they don't need... Um Hayao Miyazaki anymore as a director, like they're finally trying to like put out things that are successful. That's good. But um but then Hayao Miyazaki's like, "Oh, I was doing this short for them one last time and I decided I needed more time. I need the movie." So he's he's doing another movie. He's got a 3-year production cycle on it and boy howdy.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Studio Ghibli, there's also Nino Kuni 2.
0: Yeah, Nino Kuni 2's happening and they're not part of it, are they? I think Studio Ghibli actually might not be part of Nino Kuni 2.
1: That's weird, that was like one of the big selling points for the first game.
0: Yeah, you'd think they'd bring it back, but I think they got the same sound guy. The the visuals and everything are the same, but I I think they're not getting any animation from Studio Ghibli done, which is weird. Yeah. That seems strange, but you know, that's you know, business happens. Yeah. And then One other thing that I have, I thought was really neat is Aniplex is maybe like loosening their tie on their properties a little bit. They have released now two movies to Crunchyroll um, for streaming, which is really nice because unlike television series and stuff, you don't generally get to see movies unless you buy them. And so this is a much better way of handling it because it's a try before you buy sort of thing. You want to see the movie in really great quality, you can then go buy the disc, but there's no way to actually, like, try out a movie, especially with Aniplex, where Aniplex makes it, like, $60. Like, they have highly inflated prices compared to a lot of other people when it comes to these sorts of, like, movies and anime Blu-rays.
1: Yeah, that that sounds like what I've heard.
0: Yeah, but Aniplex has these two movies based on uh, Vocaloid songs, um, the Confession Executive Committee series. And it seems like, first of all, that might be the first good, like, Vocaloid adaptation of anything, because it's not some weird, like, magical sort of thing that they have to deal with.
1: Also, it's not an- I mean, there was- I'm pretty sure there was, like, a, an anime series based on one of the songs.
0: They, well, okay, so there was Black Rock Shooter, the OVA, and then there was Black Rock Shooter, the anime series. And then there was Mikagura's School Suite, the animated series, and then there was, um... Uh, Makaku City Actors, the animated series. And as far as I understand, all of those were like, eh to bad. Ah. And these ones seem to be getting better reviews. But like, it's just cool to consider in this, the streaming age, the ability to, to be able to check out these movies before you buy them and, you know, have a chance to really understand what they're about before you get into something that maybe turns out bad. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's something that I hope, Becomes more popular is to put up movies for streaming and stuff. Like Netflix does that with, like you know, they did it with Blame, and they've done it with other things. But just, I'd like to see more of that in general. And speaking of Netflix, they finally announced the first half of Little Witch Academia going up. The first half. The first half, which is happening um, June thirtieth, so the end of this month. They're putting up the first 13 episodes of the TV series. I'm assuming, again, that they they cut it up because what they do, like with all, all their other series, is that they're like dubbing it and stuff and putting it out like that. Because, I mean, Netflix maybe doesn't get anime audiences, but the people that they do do business for in general are like binge watchers and stuff like that. So they've got their business model and they're sticking to it. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's also U.S. Netflix because Little Witch Academia... Yeah, no, Japanese Netflix does it. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. And as somebody who's been watching Little Witch Academia, it's kind of a shame that they're not doing the entire series because the first half of the show is a bit weaker than the second half.
0: Yeah, and also, like, there's not a real good splitting point. Like, it's it's a weird series to do that to... And it's unfortunate, but, like, you know, Netflix has got its own thing, and they're- I think one thing that I do appreciate of Netflix is that they're trying their most to make this sort of stuff accessible by having all these dubs and stuff, which is appreciated. Yeah, I, I
1: hope the dub winds up being good, because that can- that can definitely make the- uh, a show better to watch as if it's acted well.
0: Yeah, because then you have- uh, watching it a second time becomes more uh, enticing because you get this different acting- you get a different perspective on it, and hopefully, it's good.
1: Yeah, I think I know where they're splitting it. It's right before like the main villain is introduced, so that's a decent place to split it.
0: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Now that they're finally getting to the whole like actual big plot part of the show, but yeah, I I hope that's cool because I hear that the dub for the the movies and OVA were pretty good, and hopefully, they can continue that through the uh, through the anime series. Yeah, that'll be cool. And then. In a really weird turn, Little Witch Academia also happens to be the subject of maybe one of the first like anime tie-in video games of this generation.
1: Well, ones that aren't Dragon Ball Z,
0: right? Like ones that aren't Dragon Ball Z and also aren't just like on the 3DS. Like Little Witch Academia is getting a fully fledged PlayStation 4 video game this year.
1: Yeah, that's that's surprising.
0: Yeah, and it's like. It seems like it's part exploration and part, like, uh, 3D brawler, kind of? Yeah, that's what I remember seeing from the uh,
1: the screenshots of it.
0: Yeah, and it, it that seems neat. Like, if that comes over to the West, that would be really cool. Because I, anime tie-in is a genre of video games that has been dying out uh, as, like, video games get more expensive to make. I think it's kind of a shame. Like, there's something really charming about... Even bad like video game adaptations of anime and but hopefully this one's good it looks neat like they've they've got the 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 aesthetic of the of the series down pretty well in terms of visuals
1: yeah i I just want to know what the gameplay actually looks like in motion,
0: yeah, not what the gameplay's like in motion, and also just like what is it like is it a retelling of the story is it like a weird side thing that they're doing?
1: I think I remember hearing that it's uh it's not. Related to the,
0: uh, the story. Well, that would make sense. I mean, you don't want to tie yourself down like that. And I don't know, it does seem cool. I'm I'm interested to see how that turns out. But it was just weird hearing, like, Little Witch Academia, of all things, is the first thing to get, like, a console adaptation that isn't, like, Dragon Ball Z. Or a Musou game. Yeah, because, like, I would... I would have expected, like, maybe My Hero Academia to get, like, the Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm treatment by this point and made, like, a 3D fighting game out of it. That would be pretty good. Yeah, like, that seems, like, well put for it. And, like, the JoJo ones came out, but those are...
1: Eh. Yeah, eh is pretty much what I've heard of. Like, it's a great... Game for JoJo fans, but it's not a great game.
0: Yeah, it's not a great game, but it's full of fan service. And also, like, really bad localizations like Flaccid Pancake and uh, D4C and all those great names that you've heard before. Worst Company.
1: Flaccid Pancake is incredible. You take
0: that back. <laughs> Look, if you, to, if you have to censor Limp Bizkit, you might as well go for just the most absurd one you can. And Flaccid Pancake works it out. Uh, and then it's just some general other announcement stuff. Uh, the Record of Lodos creator is putting together a new TV series called Record of Grand Crest War, which is based on another light novel series that he's worked on. Uh, that's coming out early 2018. And, like, Record of Lodos War was its own kind of weird, cool thing of, like, a D&D campaign turned into an anime that worked. Uh, unlike, uh... Chaos Dragon, the other one like that, the very wordy one. Yes, oh boy. But um like the idea of this guy getting another TV series if it's going to be another like sort of like high fantasy action thing seems kind of cool because even as good as Lodos War might be, it's it's dated. You know, it's it's been a while since it came out. So something that has a bit more kind of like um I guess a little more like modern talent behind it could make it look really good. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you know, fantasy is uh, an overstuffed genre, to be fair, but, like, done well, it's still a a good thing. Like, fantasy is still fun, and it's got a lot of cool adventure stuff that you can put into it. So I'm interested to see how this turns out.
1: Yeah, there can definitely be some good fantasy. Like, even even just
0: recently, there was a Grimoire of Zero, which was fantasy done well. Yeah, like, and, you know, there's also been fantasy done bad, but, like, that's just because it's a, it's a genre that's not as hard to write because you just get to make up stuff.
1: <laughs> maybe the reason why there's so much bad of it is because so much of it recently has been the oh, I'm in another world now stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of oh, here I am falling into another world and like that all just ends up falling into the same tropes except for maybe like, um, uh, what's that? Uh, Grimoire and Ash or that, that one from last year like the one where it actually is a bunch of people who have no idea how to fight and they like they have an episode where they just try to kill one goblin and they all have like incredible trouble.
1: Ah, that sounds great.
0: And then um other stuff coming out 2018, they fi- uh uh Kyoani finally announced uh when their TV anime for uh Violet Evergarden is coming out, which was like one of the first light novels that they published under the Kiwani name. And, like, they made all these commercials and stuff for it, and they just never announced that they were doing an anime for it, even though that's clearly what they were going to do. (laughs) (laughs) Because Kiwani's just gotten to the point where they publish light novels and then make anime adaptations out of them. That's that's their life. And you know what? All the better for them, because they've made it so they only do anime that they want to do.
1: I just hope it's not as uh, bad as Phantom World.
0: Yeah, like it seems a lot less, I mean it seems a lot more serious. It's it seems to be kind of more based around following the adventures of like a like a servant robot and sort of the experiences they have with different families, which might be interesting. It seems like there's a weird amount of action to it as well, like I'm not sure exactly where it falls genre-wise, but like Kiwani makes really good-looking things. <laughs>
1: KyoAni makes really good action scenes when they feel like it.
0: Yeah, like, it just feels like Kiwani hasn't had, like, a, a real breakout hit in a while. Like, people liked Sound Euphonium, but Sound Euphonium, like, as far as I understand, didn't sell great and wasn't, like, you know, uh, like a sensation. Like, the fans were really big about it, but it wasn't, like, selling incredibly and Phantom World sold poorly
1: I mean, they also did Maid Dragon* recently.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how the sales on that are looking, but like they did, they did do, uh, they did do uh, *Miss Kobayashi*, which seemed popular. But you know, I don't know. I I'd like to, I'd like them to get back to something I want to watch them. That's fair. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. No, it's just it's just one of those things where like. This this seems like a tone that maybe they haven't gone for in a while. Yeah. Is something a little more, like, introspective and, like, action-oriented, and that might be cool. Yeah. Then other stuff coming out, um, Production IG is working on a vertical anime app for smartphones. Hmm. So instead of, ho- instead of holding it landscape, you hold it portrait, and they're writing a bunch of anime specifically for that format. <laughs> like, so it's going to be 9x16.
1: Ah, the long anime.
0: So it's it's weird, because it it reminds me a lot of what people complain about, like, um, Korean-Chinese webcomics, is that they are all built for smartphone, so they're all very long in the pages.
1: Oh yeah, they're basically just one giant thing that you scroll down.
0: Yeah, so I don't know how this is going to turn out, but it's, it's an interesting idea, um, is what I'm coming out of it with. And like... I, I, this is definitely something for Japan because you know this is japan is it, it has a different smartphone culture surrounding it, yeah. And specifically, it seems to be aiming for people who like don't have a television so that they can watch anime on the go like this, um, uh, which is interesting. I'm interested to see what the opinion ends up being on it and if they can keep up sort of the like continuing to have shows. Pop up for this app.
1: I'm just curious what the shows are and how they're gonna like take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, like uh, I know, like there are a couple already announced, and there are things like based on mascots or four panel mangas, or there's one that's like uh, African animals but in business suits. Like <laughs> it seems so far that's a lot of shorts, and I wonder if this blows up, if this becomes like a more popular thing. That they start building shows and hiring studios for.
1: It'll hmm. be interesting if it turns out.
0: Yeah, and then um, Sunrise is helping to co-produce uh, a live-action Cowboy Bebop English TV series, which can't possibly <laughs> that can't possibly be good. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I I've been thinking about it a lot, and like it's the 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 writer for the Thor movie is on it. So I'm not sure and it seems to be like a pretty small um a pretty small studio working on it. So I'm not sure how that's going to turn out at this point. It's 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 going to be weird. And I'm not Counter Reeves really wanted to be Spike in a Cowboy Bebop movie adaptation. Unfortunately, they're probably not going to be able to get him, but you know, we yeah. can dream. That would be great. Keanu Reeves, I think, has been vying for this for years now, <laughs> is to be in a live-action film of this, because I think at some point they were planning on it, and it just fell through for one reason or another. But for some reason, the Akira movie's still being worked on, and not that, so. But, you know, uh, man, have they done, I don't think there's been another like live-action TV series uh, of anime done for American audiences.
1: Well, there's the Death Note one coming.
0: That's a movie. Is it? Yeah, the Death Note one's a movie on Netflix. Oh. Yeah, it's not like a miniseries. And that also looks bad. <laughs> yeah, it does. And so I just don't know. Cowboy Bebop might be interesting, but it, it, I think it's more likely to be bad.
1: Yeah, that, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's that's all the big news. Just a lot of stuff that got announced that's like weird or interesting and uh it makes me excited to see kind of stuff that comes out of like next year and stuff and just as as anime moves forward because not like there's a new bubble but like there's clearly a bigger worldwide interest in it you know with death note coming out with the robotech movie coming out with battle angel alita coming out with people still talking about the akira movie like in the west there's now this this more bigger push for uh for like japanese um licenses and i don't maybe eventually we'll reach the point where we can make a good one you know maybe it's not gonna be the naruto movie but maybe like the (laughs) baby movie it's not gonna be the bleach movie it'll be the bort movie oh thank god they're gonna make a bort (laughs) movie after the 17 movie series that finally gets the naruto story done and with that news out of the way, I think it's time for us to talk about the shows we're going to be watching next season. Woo! Uh, we're following the usual format, so we'll start with what shows we're continuing on to this season, and then we'll slowly go down the list of things we're interested in until we finally reach the shows that uh, we can't possibly imagine being good. Yeah. And to start this off, we actually have quite a few shows continuing on to next season, which was kind of surprised. surprise. I- I'm so used to thinking of shows like, oh, there are only 12 episodes. That is weird seeing like five listed here is like, oh, we're going to continue on with this. Yeah. I... Yeah. There's, and, uh, first one up is probably the most, uh, prominent of the, the longer running series from this season, which is My Hero Academia second season. Woo. Which has been going really well. Um, like the first season was good, but everyone kind of talked about how it wasn't maybe the best pacing,
1: yeah, they, uh, if I remember correctly, the the first season of the anime was in production from, like, fairly early on in the manga, so that's kind of why it was paced so slowly.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like if they had put more in, they would have had a good cutting-off point, because of how big this new season is with, like, the sports festival and everything.
1: Yeah, which just wrapped up today.
0: So it's, it's like, really, it's just kind of an unfortunate thing where, like, it starts out slow because we couldn't possibly in thirteen episodes cover anything more than that.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad they were able to get that second season, so they get to get
0: to all of this more faster paced stuff. Yeah, like the sports f- festival has been like really cool. There's been a lot of a lot of neat action to it and a lot of good character building. And I I don't know what's going to happen in the the second half of the series, but like. I don't know, It's it, it feels like it's been paying off in a lot of ways with these characters and their motivations and kind of building on these powers in in a way that's going to be cool for whatever the next, like, villain fight is going to be.
1: Which we, I believe, we got a preview of in the last episode.
0: Yeah, the hero killer.
1: The hero killer, Stain, who looks like he came straight out of the 90s.
0: Yeah, he, he looks a lot... And this is something that I think is just true of a number of the characters. He really looks like an edgy, maybe like, Punisher-esque like, American pulp novel villain. Yeah. Or like, anti-hero that they would have created.
1: Yeah, Horikoshi is a a big fan of American superheroes, so he definitely has like, all the references he needs for that kind of stuff.
0: And you see that in a lot of the, like, designs for the outfits, too, like, um, like, All Might, and stuff like that, and the, um, that, uh, the, the, who's the lady, uh, judge in the sports festival? uh midnight yeah midnight midnight extremely looks like an american comic character
1: yeah it, it's so great
0: yeah it's it's wild but it's it's been a cool series so far and i'm excited to see how how they finish out this season and then next up is recreators which both of us are watching um still uh, Recreators is kind of a weird show that we'll go more into on the review episode, but it's it's basically if all of it's it's a battle royale thing of all your favorite anime archetypes fighting and sort of like philosophizing towards each other that I feel like shouldn't work and maybe early on didn't, but it's it's been really coming into itself uh, as it's continued on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely starting to come into its own, and you kind of get a, more an idea of what, like, the sort of rules that they're trying to follow are.
0: Yeah. And, like, as the characters are being introduced, I think that helps a lot, because, like, early on, it's a bunch of, it's predominantly um, people on two opposing sides who have very similar goals, but very different interests in how they go about that. And they've started adding in a chaotic character who's basically just there to, to ruin everyone's life. And I think that is a really good benefit of, like, having someone who has no allegiance and really just wants to see the world burn. Because that helps push forward these conflicts and these ideals as they go into them.
1: Yeah, I, I just sort of hope that people stop getting tricked by this character because it's getting a little tiresome at this point.
0: Yeah, it is definitely, like, but, but also this character has, like, really poorly, like, explained powers, which hopefully gets a little bit better as they go on, or they're able to, like, flip flip her powers on her head. Like, I want to see something happen with her that isn't just her winning at this point. But, like, Recreators, I think, has found its pace and has is starting to do something really cool with it. Yeah,
1: I, I hope it turns itself around and becomes a better show in the second core.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Suwano always, always makes a, a good soundtrack for what he does, which is, like, dumb action shit. This is perfect for dumb action shit music. It really is. Uh, on, the, on the completely opposite end of the spectrum is Sakura Quest, which both of us are watching as well. And so Sakura Quest comes off of the heels of PA Works' other, like, working anime, um, Shirabako. And while Shirabako is a lot more interested in the industry and kind of giving an insight into how everyone works within it. This is a lot goofier and a lot more character based. Like it's, it's a lot more about the people who work in this, um, tourism board than it is about, uh, rural tourism.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely an anime about how hard it is to find your place in your life when you're, like, just out of college or in the middle of that kind of transition between being a student and being an adult.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, it does have plenty of stuff about kind of the, the things that people do to try to uh, stimulate tourism to rural areas, like, kind of, like, you know, they, tr- they do, like, these dating tours and they do these other, like, kind of cooking events to try to give an identity to this place. But it is still very much about these characters, and they're all interesting because they all have different views on belonging and, you know, work and their place in life. And they, they don't, like, conflict, but occasionally, like, they have ideals that don't gel with each other, and so they have to talk it out.
1: Yeah, and those are some, some of the really good parts of the show is seeing this inner character conflict.
0: Yeah, like it's had some some downs as it builds up these characters, but I feel like all of the resolution to these issues have been really strong, especially like the the most recent episode with uh with Ririko, and it's 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 cool. I'm I'm excited to see more of it.
1: Yeah, same here. Also, to see more of um of the Bard who is secretly becoming an incredible character.
0: Yeah, Sandal is a weird character because he he seems like a goofy one-off to start. Like, he's a non-native guy who comes to Japan just kind of to wander, but he's become more important and he's got like a, you know, he's got a backstory that belongs with the city, and it's weird how much he's fitting in.
1: Yeah, I I like him.
0: Yeah, and I think he is in fact Japanese second language, uh, which is nice as well because it fits with the whole, like, outsider thing. You can tell he has a bit of an accent, and he's very good at pronouncing English words. Yes, Yes, he very much is. Uh, then next up is one I, I tried to keep up with but didn't, but you're sticking with, which is uh, Sagrada Reset.
1: Yes, I'm still trying to figure out why that is, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why I'm still watching this show, and that's maybe why I'm still watching this show, but, uh... <laughs> But Sagrada Reset is essentially about, uh, about this town where people have these weird abilities, but if you leave this town, you forget, like, what your ability was and what abilities are. And, uh, the- the main character comes to this town because he's curious about the abilities, but the- the main crux of this show is that basically he and, uh, a girlfriend of his that he met during middle school named Haruki, they work together to solve- Cases involving events, because Haruki has the ability to turn back time up to three days, which she sets save points. And the main character's power is that he can remember things. Uh, He has a photogenic memory, so he is the only one who can remember what happened in these previous loops, and he uses that knowledge to solve these problems. And... If this sounds interesting, it is a lot more interesting- It is a lot less interesting than I am making it sound, because this show has some extremely stiff direction, where they linger on shots a
0: lot. Like, really static shots, too. Yeah, it's, it's really weird,
1: but the powers and the way they use them are interesting. Like, one character has the power to- Essentially, to, to, uh, see through a, a cat's eyes. And she can only do this by falling asleep. But if, when she falls asleep, she can, like, see through any cat in the city. So she uses this to gather information. And another character who can drain the knowledge out of people. It's, it's really weird that they do have some interesting setups with these powers, but they also spend a lot of time talking about nothing.
0: Yeah, like, that was the big thing, is there's a lot of promise to that idea, and, like, sometimes it delivers on it, but so much of it is this weird, stiff philosophizing to the audience, and it's just, like, it feels like its actual content is in contrast with its setup.
1: It is, and it's really even more baffling because all that philosophizing managed to actually have a point to something in the previous episode, and it just- after that, they decided, oh, well, all that philosophizing and a major event happened. You know what you want to watch next? A slice of life episode about the emotionless girl. That's what you want to watch next.
0: Yeah, like, it's just, I, I dropped it because it's like, the pacing and everything just feels so off, but I, I'm guessing you're sticking with it because, like, the concept is still, like, good. Uh, just the actual <laughs> execution maybe isn't.
1: I mean, so the so the execution, when it does actually pay off, is, is pretty good when they actually use their powers to cooperate. Like, I don't want to spoil anything until we get to the actual review episode, but they use their powers in an actual really cool way, and the payoff from all that was really cool, and I'm sad that they don't do that stuff more often, because it's so much talking about nothing. I'm still going to watch it because I'm... I don't know. I still don't know why I'm still watching this show, but it's... It's interesting in a way that no other show is because of how, how the work takes itself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like the show wants you to take it in a diff- I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. I still can't explain it. Maybe Maybe by the review episode I'll figure it
0: out. <laughs> Alright. But sticking with that, and then I am sticking with the most important anime- <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Vrains. I've I've heard some things about Vrains. Oh man, it's so good. So first of all, Vrains stands for some bullshit. (laughs) It's virtual reality artificial intelligence network system. It rules! (laughs) Yeah, and so this is this is Yu-Gi-Oh!, but they go into VR to duel, and there are like two Illuminati's and they're vying for this This like the location of a part of internet that creates data. It's super dumb, perfectly for Yu-Gi-Oh! And gives a... the, The most important thing is it gives a really competent protagonist and it has come up with an alternative duel style that has really sped up, I think, the game. So it can focus more on the characters and on these particular strategies they're building, like the The game field itself is much smaller, and the game has just completely changed because of the 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 new cards and stuff they've added to the series. So I think that's you know it's it's pretty cool in that you don't have to understand a lot of what happened previously in Yu Gi Oh to to get it in terms of rules, just because so much has changed. But like it also seems to be like a little more like uh, Yu Gi 5 Ds, where it's taking a more serious look at characters and story, but under the veil of this just batshit insane story that they've built up about this VR world and the Illuminatis that want to take over it. It's really good, and I'm really excited for more of it. I, I was really I was surprised by Arc 5 coming off of how bad um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexal was, in my opinion, because I know people will fight me about that for some reason. But uh, I'm really excited for Reigns. Reigns seems cool. <laughs>
1: Look, I did not know that the Illuminati was involved in this, but I do know that Vrains has a card called DDoS Attack.
0: Yes, it has a DDoS Attack. They say DDoS Attack <laughs> in English for it. It's great. That's incredible. That's, like, how they say MacGuffin
1: in Sagratory Set.
0: Yeah, like, and and it really plays into sort of the tech stuff. Like, it everything is based around this tech, and, like, the it's, it's sort of, um... It's got that thing where, like, in VR, you have your own avatar, so people don't know who you are. And so there's a bit of, like, oh, we need to find this person in the real world based on their, like, login data and, like, their access points. And so they're, like, hacking into the VR to erase their login notices so that, that people don't know incredible. where they are.
1: Oh,
0: it's so good. Oh, it's great. If you're interested in the most distilled version of Yu-Gi-Oh!, I think watching the first couple episodes of Rains will give you the perfect setup for it. Oh, it's good. But yeah, um, I'm sticking with that. And uh, it started late in the season, but I'm still very excited about where it can go from here. Because it's really just setting up right now. Like getting the, ca- the core cast together. And so next up is uh, where we get to the real new shows. So first up is our very interested list. These are shows that we're definitely watching and we're going to be looking forward to. Like the stuff that seems to have promise to it. And first up is the one that both of us are still watching, or both of us are going to be watching, uh, Welcome to the Ballroom, or Ballroom yokoso. Yeah. I, I've just heard a lot of really good things about the manga. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my experience with it, too. And the the hope here is that when they put it to animation, that they'll be able to capture sort of the, the dynamicism of ballroom dancing, because this is kind of like yuri on ice it, it, it focuses on a less traditionally like respected or thought about sport so they have a lot of opportunity here to to build something really neat that puts interest on uh this sort of niche sport
1: yeah from what i from what i saw from the preview uh it seems like it's going to have a lot of really dynamic animation to it
0: yeah and it's definitely got that sort of like it, this is done by Production IG, and it's got that very, like, high Q style exaggerated body stuff that is brought over from the manga, but definitely, like, that sort of exaggeration, very large sort of um, bodies helps to even make that more dynamic, is the ability to just kind of put more emphasis on these huge motions. Yeah. And I, I'm just really excited. I hear a lot of cool things about it, and... It, it seems like it, they're putting in the work to make this look really good. Like, even the CG bits are surprisingly well done um, from what I've seen from the PV. So hopefully that sticks through.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see how it just does the, the style. And also, it seems like the soundtrack is going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, they've got Unison Square Garden on OP, which is nice after they did such a great ED for um, Blood Blockade Battlefront. Oh, yeah. That that's, that like that was a real banger, and I'm hoping that they keep up with that and that the actual soundtrack is just as good. Uh, we then have um, one that I'm watching, um, Kakegurui, which is based on a gambling manga. And this is being done at Studio Mappa, and um, the, the basic summary is kind of like older series like Gamblefish, except good, where it's this private academy that's built around sort of this meritocracy based on how good you are at gambling. And so you come into school with a certain amount of money and basically you're gambling with other people to, to gain status in the series. And so if you lose all your money, you basically become like a slave to other characters. And it it's about this, this girl who comes into the school who isn't particularly wealthy, but is... Obsessed with gambling and, like, the high stakes that come with the possibility of basically losing your life from it. And it's... I think it's really well done because it never feels like they solve it through magic or pure luck. Like, it's a it's a gambling series where the odds are stacked against these characters and they find, like, a, a legitimate exploit or something in order to solve it. Like, they actually solve a puzzle rather than just being like, oh, well, I happened to win because, you know, I cheated, or, you know, something like that. Like, it, it feels like it's a legitimate win.
1: Oh, uh, that's pretty cool, because I'm also kind of interested in this show, and if the first, like, episode or two comes out, well, I'm probably going to jump on in on it.
0: Yeah, and, like, Gamblefish had that issue where everything was either the main character cheated or really just lucked into winning, and this show avoids that really well. The animation and, like, character stuff is really well done. My only issue is that the anime seems to be doubling down on my least favorite part of it, which is sort of the, like, pseudo-orgasmic sort of, like, reaction shots. Because it is about characters who just, like, are really deep into gambling and these incredible death stakes that can come with it. And so that's unfortunate, but the actual content of the series is what I'm excited about. And it'll be really cool to have another, like, good gambling anime to come out of it and also the soundtrack is by m- maybe my favorite named band which is the um the techno boys pull green fund who have done work on uh, soundtracks i like like um like witchcraft works and stuff and they're pretty cool that is a pretty incredible band name i i love band names in japan because they're like when they're just like random english words because they put them together in such the best ways
1: That just makes me think of Ogre, You Asshole, (laughs) or Ogre, Your Asshole, from, uh, they were one of the bands that did one of the soundtracks for, some of the soundtrack for, uh, Space Dandy. Oh, awesome. That's great. But, yeah, the way, I, I, I didn't understand what you meant by, uh, gross reaction faces when you described it to me before, but, oh, but that just makes you think, oh, it's like Food Wars.
0: Like, kind of like Food Wars, or maybe a little, like, I guess Prison School-y in the way that it's done. Like, it is definitely, like, sort of supposed to be sort of, like, off-putting and, like, disturbing, which it is, but it's just the one part that, like, kind of irks me about the series is because otherwise it's, like, a really grounded sort of thing, just full of, like, these crazy characters who are just very into different forms of, like, gambling their life away. That's cool. Yeah, uh, with 12 episodes, they'll probably reach the end of the introduction, as it were, like- You'll meet all of the, the main players right before there's, like, sort of a tournament arc. Which seems like a good stopping point, and there's, there's a lot of really good gambles in there, so I'm excited to see how they turn out animated. Cool. This next one up here is one where uh, the, <laughs> the series is way too large for me to ever think of getting in. But you're watching, which is uh, a Fate Apocrypha.
1: Yes. Well, you say this is actually a, one of the more accessible parts of it because it has nothing to do with
0: anything else. Oh, well that makes it a lot easier <laughs> to imagine getting into.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like its own continuity or whatever, but basically uh Fate Apocrypha is was originally like some discarded material that was going to be its own thing, but then probably be but then it resparked in, Fate resparked in popularity and hey, now it's its own thing, but basically it's a uh The concept of fate is basically, uh, historical figures and mythical characters actually existed and they were ridiculously powerful. (laughs) And, uh, it's them fighting each other for the Holy Grail, which can grant a wish, but Fate Apocrypha turns it around a bit by making, uh, basically this one, uh, magic family, which, uh, has the most ridiculous last name ever, Yeegd Millennia. Okay. (laughs) Uh, they stole a copy of the Holy Grail and summoned a whole bunch of servants from it. So this caused the uh, the big magical group to basically summon their own pack of servants. So it's basically seven servants against seven servants. And it's basically the story of this big war between these two superpowered sides doing completely ridiculous bullshit. And that's pretty much why I'm excited for it is mythical figures doing completely ridiculous superpowered bullshit against each other
0: and right like that great. seems like the big thing of fate but there's also like a lot of talking in fate like a lot of talking yeah there's like, there's also a lot
1: there is also a lot of talking and i love them talking about complete bullshit all right like just techno babble nonsense and it's it's
0: pretty pretty ridiculous like the idea of fate apocrypha not having to have knowledge of the rest of the series like if it's a spin-off uh, makes me a little more interested in possibly picking it up, because, like, it's not... Um, oh, what's the studio that Saddle does all the with other face continuity stuff? Continuity, and it's Ufotable. Well, that too. Yeah, Ufotable is not doing it. Um, it's A1 Pictures, which, eh, that, you know, that's its own thing. But it really does give this idea that it is a spin off. And, you know, A1 at least makes things look good when they work on it, so maybe I'll I'll look into it if I find myself wanting for uh anime this season
1: yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it because it's there's a couple fan favorite characters that people
0: are looking forward to seeing animated in this all right that's cool and then this one's on here because i'm a garbage man it's tq season nine (laughs) (laughs) tq okay so uh if you've if you've listened through the entirety of uh coco disasters archives you may know that maybe we were a little down on TQ before, like we thought maybe it was going to be bad and we hadn't watched it. But uh, TQ is maybe the one like fast-paced, frantic comedy series that I can that I I can like get into. Uh, I appreciate TQ even if it 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 has its its share of misses. It's so breakneck that you you're immediately assaulted by another joke that probably works better. And it's not, like, super monkey cheese, like, random. Like, it, th- all the characters have their own, like, particular thing that they do. And maybe that the things they do are absurd and ridiculous. But, you know, they're all grounded in the tropes that they embody, which is a benefit. It's not just like, oh, here's a random thing, and here's a different one. Like, all the characters have an archetype that they follow, and that's a benefit to it. And, like, TQ's two minutes of my life every week. That's plenty to give for, you know, this on and off frantic comedy series.
1: That reminds me that uh, we didn't mention something back in the news section. Oh, what's that? Uh, that Inferno Cop Season 2 got announced.
0: Oh, you're right. I totally forgot that Inferno Cop Season 2 got announced. Oh man, Trigger's bringing it back. Yep, anime of the century back again. <laughs> Which is weird because like, I feel like, did Ninja Slayer do super well? Because I feel like that would have been like a kicker for Oh, maybe this art, this particular type of comedy is dead.
1: I mean, I think it's going back to being, like, two minutes long, because they realize that they can't really stretch out that joke for a full length of
0: show. Hmm. That's fair. And Inferno Cop had a benefit when it didn't get, like, super plotty of being, like, a one-and-done, like, quick joke. Like, when they fought the, the Crab Man... Like, I think my favorite thing about that series is the bit where he kills the Crabman is like, oh, I'm impervious to your bullets, and it bounces off him and it says, so am I, and it bounces off Inferno Cop, and that's enough <laughs> to kill the, the Crabman. Like, there's a, there's a charming sorts of zaniness to parts of it. Though a second season might be, might be cool, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by Inferno Cop's extremely goofy cameo in Luluko, which
0: was also a, sor- a shorter series, which I think works yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. On a more serious note, we have uh, The Reflection Wave 1 that you're watching. Yes. And this is interesting because it is, I think, Stan Lee's second attempt at an original anime series coming off of Hero Man in 2006?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I was watching anime back when uh, Hero Man aired, so you, you probably know more about it than me.
0: I don't know a ton. I actually learned about it because I looked up um, stuff about The Reflection. Hero man, I don't think it did super well, but is sort of like, um, it, it's Stanley's basically like a hero for the 21st century. It's based around like, technology and stuff, like a big robot suit for a dude. And this is different, but still like Stanley heading it. So there's still something interesting to be mined out of a premise like this. Yeah. um it's it's basically just like superheroes pop up in the world. Why and how and what does this cause to the world? We'll find out. Is kind of how it's it's given.
1: Yeah the the premise kind of reminds me of uh, Concrete Revolutio, which is a similar sort of thing. But hopefully this won't be nearly as um, hard to keep track of for viewers because I know that was a, a problem a lot of people had with that show.
0: Yeah, I assume it's going to have a lot more like straightforward sort of yeah. like plot. We're not going to be dealing with like Cold War stuff coming back in.
1: Yeah, it's it's just going to be this straightforward show about what if superheroes suddenly appeared in the world, and I I kind of like that concept, and I was interested in it, but then I found out that Stan Lee was doing it, and now I'm even more interested in it because it's it seems like it's going to be something with a different vibe than other shows have got going on.
0: Yeah, and he and like the the costumes and stuff are pretty cool. They're very like Iron Man esque from what he's shown and stuff. So it's it seems like there's a there's a neat blending there and also the main pv for it has stan lee talking about how much he loves this show that he's going to be working on and he keeps referring to it as a japanese cartoon he's like the cartoon is japanese but i think people of all ages and nationalities will love it and i there's something charming about stan lee (laughs) in 2017 getting so excited about this superhero thing he's working on
1: it's it's nice to see that kind of excitement though
0: yeah, and, like, Studio Dean has been on the up-and-up, I feel, for a while now, with just, like, some some really quality adaptations and stuff, so this is another shot at Studio Dean really, like, proving itself, even if it's not in story, at least in the animation quality and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one on here is... Okay, so, for the last couple seasons, I've been w- watching this show that I don't know if I could explain... The draw of it. It's, it is extremely for children, uh, called Forest Fairy Five. And it's, it's about a group of five girls who are based on mushrooms who just like hang out and do stuff. And it's like sometimes kid based where they're like trying to teach something about the world. Like they'll interview people from the real world and they're actually live action footage. They're like, oh, here are the jobs that people do. And then sometimes there are episodes where, like, I accidentally used his magic spell to turn into Curry. Like, it is is definitely, like, wacky, goofy in a kid way. And I don't know why I keep watching it, but I do because I'm, like, fascinated by the existence of this thing. That's, like, that sort of, like, maybe Dora the Explorer age sort of cartoon doesn't come over much. And I. There's something fascinating about it because the newest season is, like,. It's basically like a fractured fairy tales thing where they're taking these these Japanese folklore and stuff and just kind of like mashing them together and trying to make a comprehensive story out of like, oh, you know, this this character from mythology meets this other one. And they they sort of do one of the missions for one of the characters. It's just one of those things where I I can't look away. And it's so like short and inoffensive that I I keep watching it. And there's a new season of it, so I guess I'm just going to stick with that for a while. <laughs> I, I could not possibly explain why you should watch it, but I'm watching it. I can't believe you have a show that's like Sagrada Reset for me. <laughs> Look, sometimes we just watch things and we don't know why. I, I agree with that. I can't possibly say that it's ironic, because it's not ironic. <laughs> like, ironic liking a thing or ironically watching a thing still gives it numbers. I just, like... I just want to understand, um, kind of, like what the angle that they're going for is, because like, each season has been something radically different. So I don't know, but that's that's the end of the very interested list. And boy, howdy, there's some. I mean, there's some cool stuff. And even in the sort of interested, there are things that just like don't pop up quite as often that are that are going to be interesting. Um, in the sort of interest list, we start out. Um, I, uh, so <clears throat> uh, gamers 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 (laughs) gamers is light novel series about a video games club in high school (laughs) it it just seems like uh they say it like a chaotic romantic comedy and it's like five characters three girls two boys and i guess they just like game out or whatever and it's about like people who don't want to be seen as gamers because they're popular or whatever and people who are full-on into the lifestyle and like you could do something with that premise, and I'm also curious if it's the sort of show where they're going to be licensing real video games for it? Like a uh, Na Treasure, or uh, High Score Girl, where they're like getting the licenses and they're going to show real game footage, or if they're going to have to make up video games for them to play? And both of those make me really happy as an idea.
1: I don't know which option would be more amazing to to see them just, just like straight up see
0: like Tekken footage in this anime. <laughs> I've already seen Tekken footage in in something else. Uh, but it's it's good. Like, uh, gamers could be just like really trite, but I'm hoping it's like just a little above average enough to be like worth watching. And it's hard to tell because the studio Pine Jam, or er, before this, hasn't really worked on much anything of note, so. I'm not sure now but there's you know there's an opportunity there for at least something a little bit above the cut and I'm, that's what i'm here for all right um next up as well uh, so, uh zane is maybe smarter than me and doesn't try to watch a whole bunch of stuff at the start and just wait for other people to talk about it but that's not me that i can't live that life so next up is Suray dure children which really just by the pv looks like a really cute it's, they're, they're 15 minute episodes and I think they're all just gonna focus on a different like set of or there's like four couples in it and it's just gonna focus on each of them for per episode and it just seems like this kind of um, cute slice of life sort of romance thing and I, I'm really into that because there was one um, last year that was like two minute shorts based on like this picture book that someone had put out of just like domestic situations between couples. And it was good, but, like, short and didn't really get to flesh out these characters. So I'm interested in seeing how something like 15 minutes could change the way these, like, very small, intimate moments work for these characters. And also the gimmick is that, basically, what if the boy was the tsundere? Which is just enough of, like, a a twist on the formula to be like, yeah, yeah, give it to me. oy. (laughs) Look, they got—they've got one gimmick, and it's what if the boy was the Sundere? I
1: can't believe that's the gimmick.
0: Well, for at least one of the couples, I don't know about the rest of them, but the one that they showed in the PV, like that's his one gimmick.
1: The name seems awfully like Sundere, though.
0: Yeah, that's the tsundere. Dure. It's like it's—it's it's a portmanteau. But then next up is one where I feel like this premise fits in this really specific spot in, like, the early 2000s or or late 90s where, like, I feel like a lot of those, like, live-action, like, Nickelodeon shows for, like, teens we're talking about, which is, um, like, quiz championships? Like, that thing where you take a team of three and you're basically just answering trivia between high schools? So the show is called uh, 703X Fastest Finger First, And it's literally just about a a high school club that joins, like, competitive quiz, like, competitive quiz championships. And that is enough of a different, again, like, sports-like premise to be something that could be really interesting to play into what goes into practicing for this sort of thing and the, the sort of reflexes and stuff that goes into being good at this particular type of format which seems, I don't know, it seems cool. I'm i am interested to see if this is good or not, because it's based on a manga and I've never heard anything about it, but that's not too surprising in the West. So I, I'm i interested to see what they do with something that's maybe a little closer to, like, gambling but for kids. You know, that, that sort of, um, you know, split-second sort of reaction and stuff.
1: I'm also sort of interested in this show, and I... I think, like, the only thing I hope for other than it being, like, extremely hot-blooded quiz stuff is that they use this opportunity to teach some really interesting facts that people would, like, not know about otherwise, because I feel like that's a big part of quiz shows.
0: Yeah, like, it, it, it very much takes that sort of, like, um, like that Jeopardy sort of vibe where you're gonna learn something. And, like, it's just gonna be, like, kind of weird, esoteric knowledge, and you could do something really interesting with that. There's also this next one that's weird, but I kind of have high hopes for it because it gives off vibes of, of other shows. It's, um, it's the Vatican Miracle Examiner, which is a story of a, a scientist and like a, a cryptanalysis expert who work under the Pope to travel the world and investigating the authenticity of like claims of miracles. And, like, immediately it gives off this sort of, like, not quite Helsing, but that sort of, like, like, seinen, kind of, like, Victorian vibe to it that is very interesting, I think.
1: Do you know if there's actually going to be, like, um, weird po- Like, do they actually have weird powers or anything, or is this just grounded in reality?
0: It says supernatural, so I'm assuming there is some sort of, like, miracle versus superpower kind of thing going on here. But I don't know much about it. There's not a lot of information about this series, despite being a novel series and a manga series. Um, but I don't know. It seems... That seems like it has a lot of potential to be very cool, too, because it it puts it in a place and time that is interesting and not really explored, especially in Japanese culture. Is like, this is taking a very... or seems to be taking a very like Catholic view of stuff, whereas a lot of um, Western religion is used... Mostly for like symbolism stuff in in Japanese culture.
1: I mean, maybe it's just because I'm playing this recently, but I'm I'm curious if this is going to be like Professor Leighton-esque twists, where it's like the 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 way the miracle works is even less convolu is even more convoluted than if it was actually a miracle.
0: Right, like if the miracle is based on like someone with superpowers or this really elaborate scheme to try to like bring in this authenticity, which is maybe part of what, like, kind of makes me think of Helsing with it is, like, it's first of all taking this very Catholic look at stuff because the re- Helsing was also very Catholic, but also, like, the idea of this supernatural seems right in that vibe of sort of, like, Victorian-era violence and stuff that might be interesting depending on how they take this. But, like, the PV is a lot of static stuff, so it's hard to tell right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious about it, though. Me too. Like, it sounds like a cool premise. And then the next two on here are sort of interested, but neither of us are watching it, but maybe something we're going to keep our eye out on. And the first one here is Kronos Ruler.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mind if I explain? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So Kronos Ruler is apparently about these characters called Kronos Rulers who all have time manipulation powers. And they fight against these time-eating demons (laughs) that come uh-huh. about when, uh, when people wish, oh, I wish I just had a little bit more time for this. And apparently it's like there's a bunch of time manipulation be- going on between the time-eating demons and the Kronos rulers, <laughs> and that just sounds like a ridiculous enough premise with cool enough powers that I hope it turns out really good.
0: Yeah, like, the PV shows some kind of dope action and stuff going on with it. Like, it looks pretty good. And that sounds like a, a a premise that you can really play with in a lot of interesting ways. Yeah, and maybe it, I guess uh, something that comes across like it is kind of like D Gray Man in the way that like the fighting and the character design works. But I'm I'm really interested in this because it it also is going for like this weird like very Western vibe with the characters, and I'm curious how that's going to play out. Yeah. I mean, the main character's last name is Putin, so, you know. Oh my god! They're pulling from these different, like, places and stuff, and it, it could be really neat. It could also be a hot mess, but who knows?
1: Either way is good, honestly.
0: <laughs> and this next one, it could be really good, or it could be just, like, unfortunately, like, weird and bad, which is um, Princess Principle. Which is this 19th century, like, Victorian spy series where the gimmick is that the spies are, like, 15-year-old girls. They're all high school students. That sounds bad, but, like, it looks like it's they're really playing into some, like, crazy spy shit. Like, legitimate spy stuff, like, almost Joker game-esque, but taking place in a very different time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the PV makes it very clear that they are leaning into, these girls are spies and do actual spy stuff.
0: Yeah, like, it's, it's definitely also playing into, like, oh, these they're, they're cute Moe girls, but they're, they're, like, shooting people, like, people are dying in these PVs in, like, really gross ways, but it's, it seems super built into sort of that pulp spy sort of stuff, which the juxtaposition could be really neat, or it could be really horrifying, both of which kind of work. And my only hope is that it, it just isn't, like, really gross. Because that would be a real shame. Yeah. In an in a, in anime where, like, spy stuff is not the norm. Yeah. It's nice to have more things that, that can pull that off.
1: Yeah, I, I really hope this turns out to be pretty cool to watch and not
0: surprisingly gross. But, yeah, Princess Principle... I don't know, it's like... And they're each supposed to have like their own like expertise like i'm sure one of them is like stealth and stuff and like surveillance so you know it, it is really playing into this sort of like team again uh, kind of unlike um joker game where it's it's individual spies and individual adventures like they're like a group of characters that work together so i don't know it it could be really cool and my hope is that it is in fact cool or at the worst okay <laughs> i just don't want it to be bad and then next up is the maybe, maybe not stuff. This is, like, for the stuff I put on here, it's like, I'm keeping an eye on it, and it, it would take a lot of stuff to, to get me to watch these over the things ahead of it, but still something that that interests me and, assume, you in some way or another. Yeah. And the first one here is uh, Mahojin Guru Guru, which is a revival of, I think, an 80s manga that had an anime, and it's like, um... What is it? The the hero Yoshiyuki and the what's the the Dragon Quest parody live action series? Oh
1: I I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name of it.
0: Like the hero Yoshiyuki and the Demon Castle or something like that. It's it's this live-action parody of like Dragon Quest tropes and stuff. And this is sort of similar in that it is a parody of like RPGs, like dialogue boxes pop up and, you know, the narrator does this, um, uh, does, like, NPC dialogue instead of actual characters. Like, there's there's an element to it that gives off this very similar vibe of parodying RPGs while still being, like, way into them. That seems cool. And I think, like, um, Ushio and Tora. Oh, I- yeah. Yeah, Ushio and Tora. Is the one I was thinking of, like, that is also a thing where, like, the anime- petered out early when they originally did it and they got this revival series that they were able to finish the story with. And I think it's, it's cool the ability to do that now is, like, be able to take these maybe beloved or, like, seminal franchises from whoever knows how long ago and try to modernize them for uh, another audience just through the, the quality difference of modern anime. So, I uh, might be something interesting to check out. Uh, I just don't know if it's gonna go the, the way of, like, you know, like a some 50-episode huge thing like uh, Twin Star Exorcist or something more smaller. But like, I don't know, It it's cute, it seems charming, and I'd be interested to hear what opinions of it are once it's out.
1: I think it's an officially licensed parody, too, because, uh... Square Enix was one of the sponsors in the PV. That, that's, that's charming.
0: I, I'm glad that, like, Square Enix seems to be into this, because, again, the that that Dragon Quest live-action one, I think, is also part of theirs, since they use the official names and stuff. But yeah, that's cool. Then next up is uh, A Centaur's Worries, which you had put on here. You want to describe it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, A Centaur's Worries is basically, uh, if you watched... Um, interviews with monster girls. It's basically that same sort of thing, except there's no male teacher in here.
0: <laughs> there's no interviews for the monster yes, girls? it's
1: basically just um, a slice-of-life anime about monster girls, and just them, you know, doing stuff. It's—it's it's, That's basically what it is. It's a little bit horny, like uh, interviews with uh, monster girls could be, but apparently it's mostly pretty chill.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like it's definitely, like, what does it mean to be these sorts of things rather than just, like, oh, these sorts of things are in. It's it's certainly going to be, like, how hard is it to be a centaur in school and, like, getting clothes done and sitting and all that? And then I assume they're going to play that with other, like, succubi ca- characters or, like, other sorts of, like, weird monster characters.
1: I think one of the main characters is, like, an imp, and I forget what the other main character is, but it's the, cent- the centaur girl an imp girl and someone else. And those are the main like trio.
0: Yeah. I know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I I did hear really good things about interviews with monster girls in terms of that sort of exploration of what it's like to be a monster girl. So uh, I'm, you know, there's, there's hopes for this.
1: It's also a bit different in that everyone is some type of monster person. Unlike in um, interviews with monster girls, where it was just like a couple of people out of the whole class.
0: Right, get those sick humans out of here.
1: I don't think there are any humans, or at least I didn't see any in the PV.
0: Yeah, I think it, it does say all the classmates uh, are some kind of supernatural creature. And again, you can you can pull all kinds of cool stuff, like um, how interviews the Monster Girls have, like, Dullahan's and stuff. Like, there is there is a huge breadth of them to be picked, rather than just, like, the, the typical, like, vampires, werewolves sort of thing. And even centering it around a centaur is like, oh, that's pretty cool. So there's, there's, there's some opportunity there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, this one is... (laughs) This one, I don't know how much opportunity there is, but, uh, it's certainly a a take on the isekai genre, which is in a different world with a smartphone.
1: (laughs) Maybe one of the most blunt titles I've ever seen.
0: In a season of blunt titles, this is very blunt. Um... And in in a in a fantasy world with my smartphone is about a guy who gets transported to a fantasy world, and God lets him have one thing, and he decides he wants to bring his smartphone. His mystical wizarding slate. Right, which is allowed- which is still allowed to connect and stuff. Like, don't worry about it. It can connect to the internet and stuff. It's still- it's great. And all the apps. Which, like, that's- isekai is a really stuffed genre, and really- people are just looking for gimmicks to, to try to get people to get in. Like, there's that one where the guy turns into a vending machine in a fantasy world, and there's the one where the guy turns into a sword in a fantasy world.
1: I've seen one where a guy turns into slime.
0: Yeah, like, like, it's basically, it seems like it's just gonna be sort of the thing where these people have trouble, and he basically just solves it by looking some shit up on his smartphone. Which, you know, maybe? Maybe. This is a lot, I think this is a lot lower, personally, on my, like, interested in list, but it's something just I would like to hear people talk about. Like, I want to follow the people who have to, like, review this episode by episode more than I want to watch
1: it. I want to know exactly how stupid this premise turns out to be.
0: Cause, oh, man, it's gonna be so stupid. It's gonna rule, um, on that angle. And then we have Made in Abyss, which is it seems like it's a darling. Like, a lot of people seem really excited about this based on the manga. About this this duo of characters exploring the abyss, which is like this huge pit and cave system that is considered, like, the only unexplored place in the world. And from what I understand, it's like it is very mature in that it is, like, violent and deals with, like, very big themes and is kind of, like, explicit and so i don't know how comfortable i am with that especially with the art style being so like cutesy
1: yeah i I, is that gonna be like a juxtaposition sort of thing all these awful things happening to
0: these charming looking characters yeah like these like weird chibi blobs i don't i don't know i don't know anything about the actual source material i just know that people seem really excited about it right now which Maybe that means that there is something good to be mined from it, like, from the manga. So, this is, this is definitely something to keep my eye out for, but, like, that juxtaposition is not always something that, like, works, especially just for me. So, I'm, I'm hesitant on it. Yeah. Um, have- oh, go ahead. If you want to say something more about Mean the Abyss.
1: The only other thing I wanted to say was, like, the, it's, the, the leads are, like, just some, some girl, but the, the male lead is apparently a robot.
0: Yeah, like, she finds, uh, this robot in, like, the, one of the early parts the Abyss. And she just wants to be a, a cave raider like her mom. So there's, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a plot to go there. And we'll just have to see how that turns out. Yeah. But on the other end of the spectrum, again, more light novel shit. We got Knights and Magic. W- knight apostrophe S. And th- here's the thing about it. Why Knights and Magic is here and not anywhere else is because that title's bullshit. It's a mecha show. Yup. It's a fantasy mecha school show, and I guess that is, uh, you know what they say, magic is technology or whatever. And I guess you could call them knights, but it's just like so, so off-brand as a name. It kind of rules,
1: and I kind of, I want to know where they take this.
0: Yeah, mecha otaku is reincarnated into this world where mecha is real. Great. Um, you know, you can make it work. Thanks, Studio 8-Bit. Uh, and, like, the designs are nice enough. Like, they're not super booby. They're, 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 I think, well done, like, maybe Star Ocean-esque, um, like, character designs and outfit designs. Star Ocean before four, I assume. Yes. And then the next one is, I guess it's Another World, but this is a very different take on it. This is, um, Restaurant to Another World. And the, the format of this is basically there's this restaurant, and during the week, it's it's just a normal place where businessmen come to eat. But every Saturday, they close their doors, and the door actually opens into a portal into a fantasy world. And it's just this restaurant where these fantasy characters and creatures come to eat and talk. Maybe a little like Bartender, the series, or maybe just like the the non-game parts of like Death Parade. Like it gives off that very similar sort of vibe where it's these people in this very like traditional, grounded setting talking about sort of this fanciful stuff and just really getting to explore a world via the the tales that they talk about.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like it's going to be a neat slice-of-life kind of life show that could just be about like delicious food and interesting conversations.
0: Yeah, you could do a lot with it, and it's just like... I don't, I don't have the information to say whether it's good or not, but it's, it's got some interesting promise to it just based on that is like, there is something interesting about peeking into other worlds without seeing the visuals that go along with it, just the way they interact with others. And anime food always looks great. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then we have, uh, Project Altair. And you want to talk about this one since you put it on this high in the list?
1: Oh um so apparently uh it's some high ranking official in this uh fantasy nation gets assassinated and it's basically about like the political situation and the the war situation that unfolds from that sort of action so it's sort of like a fantasy war i'm i'm not sure like how low or high this fantasy stuff is but it seems like it could have like some interesting premise like if this is a war with wizards we would actually get to see like wizard war or whatnot and it seems like it could have like interesting tactics and stuff like that but it and none of the character designs seem really fan servicey so it could be just like a, a straight take on that sort of situation
0: yeah this gives off a vibe um it, it takes place in turkey which is i think something that's cool because that that then builds off of the way that the the characters are designed and there was um Yona of the Dawn, uh, two years ago, that also kind of did that because it was based around, like, the Korean side of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms kind of stuff. And so a lot of the aesthetics were distinctly non-Japanese, which is cool. And if they're doing it based on, like, Turkey and, like, Middle Eastern stuff, especially fantasy Middle Eastern, there's a lot of interesting, like, th- that is an untapped mind that you could really get into, is sort of this this very particular place and time. And, like, the main character's design really gives that off well.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like it could be a neat little series.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always hard to tell with sort of the, like, big fantasy adventures, especially, like, oh, are they going to end it, you know, right as the story really starts? But there's, you know, there's, there's some potential there. It, it seems cool. Kind of like, um, The Heroic Legend of Aslan. Yeah. Arslan. Which is also based on, um, like, a a, a Middle Eastern story. Uh, I believe Persian. And so, like, again, just, like, being able to build off of these non-Western, non-Japanese sources is really cool. So here's hoping for something cool out of uh, Altair. Yeah. Then I have this... Mm, I maybe should not, shouldn't have put this up high uh, as high as I did on the list. But, uh... Um, Cleanliness Boy Ayamakun kind of gives off similar vibes to, like, uh, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto? Which I think is pretty well regarded as a- as a comedy series of just, like, this normal guy who gets into these very not-normal situations and does them perfectly because he's a perfect boy.
1: Sakamoto was done, like, they- they animated the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and that's- and that was also cool. Um, because he went to space. I assume that would have been a climax. You know, there's- at some point you can't keep ramping up the stakes. But um, cleanliness boy Aoyama-kun gives off a kind of a similar vibe where this kid is a soccer genius, and his whole gimmick is that he never wants to get dirty. So he will purposely avoid like shaking hands and high-fiving at the end of a game. He'll purposely avoid doing any moves that like get him dirty or make him touch the dirt. So he'll do these super elaborate moves to be able to not do that. He, like, forces himself to wear gloves if he ever has to touch the soccer ball with his hands. And there is, um, there is comedy to be mined from it. I don't know if it's just going to be, like, a cute boy doing silly things sort of thing, or if it is really going to go hard into it like a Sakamoto. But, I don't know, there's a a potential there, because also, uh, soccer still isn't, like, a really tapped, um, or, like, well-regarded sports genre in anime.
1: I mean, there was an Azuma Eleven.
0: Yeah, you could call that (laughs) soccer. it's kid soccer it soccer exists they do kick a soccer ball into a black hole to close it you know there is soccer attached to in 11 but i think you could you could really just make it like a schoolyard brawl where people just go uh I, I summon a dragon that shoots the ball into the goal and it'd be equivalent <laughs> but yeah you're right the next up on here is 18 If, which is based on a mobile game that is vaguely like puzzles and dragons-esque in gameplay, but like the main thing is it is a story of people who are afflicted, like afflicted with a coma. And inside they're they're stuck between the the realm of the living and dreams. And this is where sort of their their base desires are let loose and sort of take over this alternative dream world. And the, the the concept is just these people go in to sort of, like, fight against these repressed desires from these people in real life and try to um, try to bring them back. And like, I, I played it a little bit just to understand what this is. And like, that that is a concept that is potentially interesting. But is a little heady in a way that I don't know how you make that really interesting.
1: Chorps, it sounds like you're talking about Persona.
0: It is kind of Persona. Um, it, it has a style like Persona. So I don't know how they're going to handle that. Because again, all the fighting is, is Puzzles and Dragons-esque. You take your monsters in and you connect gems together. I mean, the Puzzles and Dragons anime just made them do that in real life out of nowhere. So I don't know. But, I don't know, 18F has a potential to be, like, it has, like, these very, um, psychedelic, kind of, like, persona-esque, um, stylistic vibes to it. I just, you know, also, I don't know if Gonzo can handle doing something this, like, th- this sort of, like, stylistic, you know? It'll be interesting to see. I I just want to hear other people talk about it first.
1: I- I'm glad you looked up information on the phone, Game, because, uh. That preview didn't really tell me much of anything about it.
0: Yeah, like, the most I got from the PV is like, oh, Teddy Lloyd is doing music for it, great! <laughs> then we have, um... Uh, RoboMasters the Animated Series, and it is based on an actual student robotics competition that happens yearly. Um, the world's biggest student robotics competition, in fact. And it, it seems like it's just following... These different high schools, as they prepare for the RoboMasters thing, where they're building these robots to do specific tasks, like be able to, you know, slot something into a tall tower, or be able to do, like, rudimentary combat. Like, that sort of low-level robotic stuff is something that is avoided for a lot of, like, cool mecha shit. And I think grounding it in sort of this real thing, and possibly, like, real stories, is something that could be really interesting.
1: It sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, and I, I just don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know if it's going to be predominantly like, character-based, or if they're really going to put a focus on what it's like to build robotics out of, you know, these parts that you're able to salvage. But there's, there's a potential there that uh, I, I'm not going to see it through myself to start, but I want to know what other people start thinking about it as it goes on. Low-level robotics is still cool because it's so far beyond the imagination of what you could actually make. So it there's there's a there's a cool potential there. I agree. This next one, I have no idea what to expect, but I like the visuals. <laughs> and this is um, this is one without a translated name. It is Cleone uh, no Akari, which is about this group of three friends, and one of the girls is an orphan who is constantly bullied and very sickly. And one day, she doesn't show up to school and is admitted into a hospital. And after some time passes, her two friends receive this mysterious email with no sender that tells them to go to this summer festival taking place in a nearby town. And there have been plenty of, like, very heavy character-driven, like, dramas coming out recently, like, um, just released that A Silent Voice movie. And this gives off something of a similar vibe in that it focuses around sort of, like, a, a bullied character who clearly has some misunderstandings about her. And I don't know, there's, there's, a, there's a potential there, but, like, there's, there's nothing really to go by with a PV and just a description like that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I tried to watch that PV and I didn't really get anything from it. I don't, I don't know where this is trying to go or what. Like it, it's got a more serious vibe to it, but I'm I'm just not sure what it's trying to be.
0: Yeah, that's it's really hard to tell. It, there's just nothing really that you can tell from just the PV for sure. That PV is just like a bunch of assorted scenes, really. Uh, then we have the newest season of Symfogear, uh AXZ, which is a pretty um, abstract and sort of like restrained subtitle. After the last season was. Um, Symphogear GX believe in justice and hold a determination to fist. That rules. Or the previous season in the distance that day when the star became music. Or the previous season, (laughs) uh, meteoroid falling, burning and disappearing. Then, like Symphogear is, as far as I understand, stupid, slightly fanservice-y action where they're like punching meteors and shit in space and having these crazy like power suits fights between each other set to like. Some really pumping music, is as much as I know about it. It's, like, very music-based, and, like, le- lyrics matching up with, with fight choreography.
1: I know one thing about Symphogear, and that it is written by the person who wrote all the Wild Arms games.
0: Wow! That's a real turn, I feel! <laughs> like, Wild Arms always felt a lot more restrained than Symphogear. I... And then, I mean...
1: <laughs> I'm not sure... How- Having played uh, one Wild Arms games and seeing an LP of a couple more, Wild Arms gets pretty unrestrained towards the end.
0: Yeah, I guess so. There is a lot of wacky shit to it. But, um, Gear, I just can't put- I, I can't put it any higher because, like, I would have to watch three other seasons of anime to get caught up to it. So it's, it's a hard sell on just how much, um, how much research goes into it.
1: Yeah, I've heard Symphogear is pretty good, though.
0: Yeah. If nothing else, it's fun. This one's on the list just because, okay, so uh, Kobini Kureshi is a story about a bunch of people who hang out in convenience stores and love eating convenience store food and stuff. Which gives off a vibe not unlike um, Sanrio Boys, which is eventually getting its own anime. And Sanrio Boys is the story of it's Sanrio-created characters who really love other Sanrio characters, like My Melody and Hello Kitty and stuff, and it's Super masturbatory, (laughs) but clearly working um, because it has like this whole multimedia thing going about it. And this feels the same way where it's like not 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 because this is uh, this isn't a Japanese company, but like a a 7-Eleven equivalent would be like, we really want kids to know about what we do here and we really want them to buy into this industry. And so they're making this anime about people who love hanging out at the convenience store (laughs) And, like, become friends because they have this, this, uh, this similar interest in hanging out in the front of a 7-Eleven eating ice cream or whatever. It's-
1: (laughs) I just kind of thought it was just going to be some kind of generic slice of like thing of teens loitering in convenience stores and talking about nothing. Right, which also,
0: this seems like that. But this, I don't know, this seems, like, almost too pointed of an idea to not be, like, funded by a convenience store. (laughs)
1: I mean, there's already a convenience store that makes a whole bunch of ties in with Japan, at making some of the cute anime girls wear their their worker outfits.
0: Oh uh, yeah, they had like they had a couple Love Live characters do that and stuff. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is it's just weird. Um, I wouldn't watch it, but it's weird. <laughs> it's I don't know the the sort of like way that um, anime has super become commercialized in a way that I feel like a lot of American cartoons haven't. Is something that is um, endlessly fascinating,
1: I feel. Is it going to be more fascinating than someone pulling out a literal Kit Kat bar and then doing the Kit Kat reference? <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Oh, Sargata Reset owns. They also did that in, um, what's the, uh, Alice to Zo- Zoruko. They had a part where someone is, like, really losing it on a battlefield and so he eats a Snickers to power up. Oh, I love. Oh, anime product placement is so much more direct, I feel, than, like, American in that way.
1: Unless it's, like, uh, Darkened Sky, where your magic was powered by Skittles.
0: Oh man! oh that's so good, they just never say Skittles, (laughs) but it's very clearly Skittles. Yep. Okay, then next up is uh, Hitorijime, My Hero. Um, I put those on a maybe, maybe not, just because, like, uh, I think it's good that, um, less, uh, problematic boys' love and, like, uh, LGBT, like, anime and stuff is coming out. Because for a while, and like even up till last year, a lot of a lot of the series that they're pulling from are these things that are big sellers because they're very taboo and ultimately like come as very like gross and like a misrepresentation of these sorts of relationships. And from what I understand, uh, Hitogeime, My Hero, comes from an author who is doing really good work in those genres to kind of like make good lgbt um representation in like manga and stuff so i'm i'm just always glad when something that looks like it is a better sort of series comes around
1: i'm glad it exists and if it is apparently actual boys love they aren't going to beat around the bush about it which is something that's a lot i think several animes have a problem with doing
0: right this is very explicitly boys love but um, yeah, I, it, it is, is definitely like a, I, I don't know if I'd watch this, but I'm glad this exists because this opens the door for, for more things like this to exist instead of, like, Super Lovers, which got two seasons. Like, don't. <laughs> but, uh, and then the last one on here is Hell Girl, which again, it's, it's on here because there is a bit of a prerequisite into getting into this new Hell Girl series after how long of a hiatus they've had. But it's half new episodes and it seems like it's half sort of like maybe it's, it's built for people just coming in or old fans because it is six what they call reminiscence episodes. And I'm not sure if that exactly means like they're just going to redo old episodes or if it's going to just kind of be like a recapturing of those themes. But Hellgirl itself seems like a very cool series. The stuff that deals with the underworld in these particular sorts of ways doesn't always pop up. Like, it plays really hard into sort of the darker tones of it, which could be interesting. Huh. And I, and I hear good things about Hellgirl, just in general. And now, uh, lightning round, the not-interested list. Gonna go real quick through these. Heck yeah. Uh, second second season in New Game. Didn't watch the first one, not super interested. It It's it's a slice-of-life Moe show. So I've heard about, about
1: game development.
0: Uh, yeah, and maybe not perfectly accurate, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta romanticize a little bit, because there's nothing fun about watching, like, six episodes of Crunch just for a game to get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then next up is, uh, UFO-tables Token Ronbu, which, you know, Token Ronbu has been important at revitalizing museums and stuff, and clearly getting people really into the the game with the hot sword boys. It's just not, it's just not me. Me either. And, I, I don't know, Uofotable does good action, so if nothing else, they've got that to look forward to. Because the other Token Ronbu they did was real slice of So it's a nice juxtaposition. Next up is Awari Monogatari, uh, the final season, I think, of the, the Monogatari series that needed to be adapted uh, for anime.
1: I can't believe it.
0: I, I, I tried watching Monogatari, and I just, I get it, but it's not, it's not me.
1: There's there's other guitaris that are better.
0: Yeah, and there there's just so much. There's so much mono <laughs> Then next we have um, Aho Girl, which just looks like it, it's a it's a four coma thing about this this super wacky girl and her less wacky friends. This basically seems to be it. Which yeah okay yeah. Then we have Enmusubi no Yoko-chan. Which is... I don't know, it's it's the story of, um... Yokai, who, um... Help people fall in love? Yeah, something like that, or revive memories of dead loved ones. Something like that. And I... It's just, like, nothing about that super hits, like the art style or anything, and... Really, the PV makes it look like a weird, like, battle action thing, so I don't know what they're going for. It was just eh. And then we have Sayuki Reload Blast, which is some kind of, like, Jose reinterpretation of the journey to the West, but this is, like, the third or fourth season of it, and it seems pretty, like, wacky in place of being, like, dramatic or more interesting, so it's just like, eh.
1: It's got a lot of content behind it.
0: Yes, for sure. And then we have action hero and cheer fruits. Not a lot of action. A lot more of the heroine and cheer. It's about uh, a group of people from one particular town who really want to become the mascot for it because that's a thing in Japanese culture. And like, there's a there's a potential there to actually like discuss that like branding that has made like Japan so like to to get people interested in like traveling and stuff. But eh.
1: The uh, the way I read that description was it seems like there it's these heroine type characters from all the different areas across Japan competing to become the top action heroine.
0: That might be true, huh? So there's something to it, but just like, it, it, mm.
1: it's it's weird.
0: Yeah. Then we have Hina Logic from Luck and Logic or Hina Logi, which is this. Magical Girl fantasy spinoff of that uh, mobile card game anime from last year that just, it just seems really whatever.
1: I, I tried watching an episode of Luckin' Logic back when it first aired, it, it, it was pretty whatever.
0: <laughs> and then we have uh, Dive. Dive seems kind of like the new Free in that it's very based around these, these water sports. And big buff guys, but, like, the art style feels really off-putting to me. And, like, diving as, a, as an individual sport seems a lot tougher to romanticize.
1: It's not free, and it's probably going to be really hard to try and be, be as free as it can.
0: Yeah. It, it is about, like, Olympics training, which might have its, you know, that might be its gimmick, but just... Mm. And then we have Love and Lies, which just kinda has like a unappealing art style, but it's about a, a world in which everyone is arranged marriage and like feelings of romance are not allowed, and these two people dare to fall in love um in in this world where that has been obsolete, which eh. Eh. And following that, we have Yokai Apartment, no Yuga, ni Nichijo. It's about a guy who moves into an apartment that is uh, filled with yokai and a girl who can see them. Which, like, there's a there's a there's a potential there, but nothing about the presentation or anything uh, leads me to believe it's going to be like particularly interesting.
1: Yeah, it it just seems like it's just, eh.
0: Yeah. Next up is Battle Girl High School. There's now there's a name where you know exactly everything you need to know. <laughs> From its title.
1: It's exactly what it says on the tin, and if you don't want to watch that, then. There you go. Great.
0: Following that, we have Yokoso uh, Jitsuriyoko uh, Shiju Shugi no Kyoshitsu i. Please don't correct me. And it's. It is a comedy about a, a, a meritocracy school, like uh, in Kakegurui. But it seems like it's just based on, like, smarts and stuff, and basically the smarter you are, the more freedom you have at school, and it's about a bunch of idiots who try to try to make their way up the social ladder. And just, I don't know, there's-
1: It doesn't seem like it- it doesn't seem like it has anything to its premise, it's just a school anime that takes place in
0: school. Yeah, and it's just- but it focuses on dumb people instead of smart people. That's- that's its claim to fame, I guess. And uh, then we have Musashi no, which is a sequel to a show from two years ago, which was uh, it was the anthropomorphized train stations, um, Urawa no Usagi-chan, which I dropped because I got really bored watching it at some point, and I can't assume that the sequel is going to be much better. Uh, Following that is Kaito X Ansa, which is a sequel to an anime from last year that I thought was, like, a puzzle thing about a girl. Um, Like, it's like Nazakine or something like that. But this doesn't seem to be about any of that at all, so I don't know what happened, but I'm not interested. (laughs) Then we have Marvel Future Avengers, which is, I guess, what? When did, um... When did Marvel Pokemon come out? Was that 2014?
1: <laughs> I think it might
0: have been. So this seems like it's a follow-up to that, where they, they couldn't get the kids into Marvel by making the superheroes Pokemon. So they, they've basically set up this thing where a bunch of uh, youth are saved by the Avengers, and it turns out that their genes have been tampered by Hydra, so they become superheroes in the Avengers. It's done by Madhouse, so, like, there's, there's gonna be some, like, visual quality to it, but, like... Man, I don't know. It's a kid's anime. It is a kid's anime, and it seems like the sort of thing where, like, you have to... You, I don't know, I, I'm just not deep into, into Marvel or DC enough to be, like, super interested in this. And from what I understand, the other Marvel anime have not been anything to, like, really write home about, so... That's what I've heard, too. So, like, eh... It's not wacky enough to beat Marvel Disc Wars, the Pokemon one, which was so bad no one even deemed to sub it by the end. <laughs> um, and then there's Yamishibai Fifth Season, which is just a, a continuation of sort of like these these small Japanese horror stories, which is cool, but just... Mm, that's not what I'm looking for right now. And here's the most important part, which is the poo-poo garbage tier. These are the shows that are bad and... Uh, I just don't think there's there's any way to spin it so that they're like good. A uh, first one up here is a uh, ne- trap. Which get that romanticized cheating bullshit out of here. Just get that out of here. It's about two couples and the girlfriends fall in love with each other but still hang out with their boyfriends to for to save face or whatever. I don't know. I think that whole like genre of like. Netarare NTR cheating is some horseshit. Uh, then we have Nora, Princess, and Stray Cat, which, like, it doesn't seem bad from the outset. It's like this this little girl meets a girl from the Underworld, and they hang out and talk about it. But the first thing they do is they have one of the characters, like, talk about this adult magazine they found in the park and- No? Mm-mm. Get that sexualized children shit out of here. Uh, following that is Skirt no wa K- ketamono Mono uh, Deshita, which is about a guy who dresses up as a girl and like tricks a lesbian at a college party into getting with him and get that bullshit out of here! There's so much garbage! There's so much garbage, and the thing is like it's all like really bad. It's not just like Triage X where it's like, oh it's just super horny and weird and bad, like these are all things that I feel like are kind of morally reprehensible <laughs> in that, like, arrow manga sensei sort of way. And that's that's my bigger issue with it, is just how much of it is, like, oh, it's tricking a lesbian into becoming straight or whatever, and, like, get that fuck out of here. Um, then we have Tenchino 3P, which, possibly not gross, but it is about a- an older guy who, like, basically makes Vocaloid songs and then these grade schoolers show up and want him to teach them how to be in a band. And that's- mm, I'm not touching that one. There's not- That just looks really weird! It looks really weird like um that basketball one that's also some grade schoolers um uh Ryokubu I think is it. And it's just- that just gives off a lot of uncomfortable vibes right off where maybe it's going to be good but every sign points to it being bad. And then we have uh, Hajimite no Gal, which is about a guy who asks out this fashionable booby lady at school and she says yes out of nowhere, and then they hang out with a bunch of other big booby characters, including one who looks like Ten, and just get that shit out of here. Yep. Ugh. Um, And that's, that's that's all the anime, basically. I mean, there are some we didn't talk about, but I don't think a lot of those are primed to come over here anyways. But um there's there's still some cool stuff to be found in here. Even the stuff that we're not watching, there's like a lot of potential for very cool stuff here, like RoboMasters as one of like putting spotlight on this very weird thing and like welcome to the ballroom, doing that as well. And uh 703X, Fastest Fingers First. There's a lot of like niche subject matter that that hasn't been touched that can that could really be um elevated in anime and it could be very cool the way they handle that. Yeah. Yeah, am I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, uh, like, like the previous season, I think there's a lot of potential here. And even in the stuff I'm not watching, it's like, Oh, there's stuff that I could go and watch and really give a shot to, uh, like I, I was not super hot on winter, but I feel like the rest of the anime that's been coming out since then has, has been, like, really stepping up its game. Like, I've found a lot more stuff that seems interesting and doing some cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I've generally been watching more stuff since winter, too. It's it's all been pretty neat.
0: Yeah, and so uh, we'll talk about that more in the the next episode uh, when we go over our thoughts on this year's spring season. But until then, Zane, since you're new, where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can find me at, on Twitter at at ZaneZero X A I N Z E R O, that's me. I I shit post a lot about things that I like. And
0: that's basically what I do. Hi, that's me. You you should post a lot about is this a zombie, <laughs> I notice? I it, I don't know I don't know if this is me conflating it, but I feel like you watched that. A lot. <laughs> I I have not.
1: It has just not left my head because it's a terrible train wreck of an anime.
0: Incredible. Uh, and as always, you can find me at Chorpsaway uh, on Twitter, C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y. You can find the the podcast at uh, Coco underscore Disaster on Twitter. We have CocoDisaster.com. We have a, a side blog Um, where me and friend of the show QB just write about whatever the hell we think about, which is at vanilla-blessing.tumblr.com and yeah from there you can find out what usually what we're doing next uh, things that are coming up in the new season Uh, you can find shows, information um, and yeah just check us out and uh, we'll be seeing you next time for the spring season review, once that ends. But I've been shorts away.
1: And I'm Zane Zero.
0: And sweet dreams.